Um, it's great to be here. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for your presence. Um, we thank you, Lord, because it's in you that we live and move and have our being. Holy Spirit, we just recognize you here this morning. We ask, O oh God, that um, as the word is spoken, that you will brood over this word and you bring life from the word in our lives in the name of Jesus. We recognize that it is only through your power that we're transformed, not through the eloquence of man. So we just submit with meekness to the word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been speaking over the last month or so for a couple of sessions um, when I have spoken about um, following the leading of the Holy Spirit accurately following the leading of the Holy Spirit in times of darkness. And as I was meditating on this this morning, the Lord sort of took me in a, in a different direction, and we're just going to flow with that because we're following his lead, aren't we? <laughs> Amen. And um, I'd like us to open to John 14, and I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. I'm going to read verse 16. And here, the Lord begins to speak to his disciples about his departure and he starts introducing them to the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, thousands of years later, I mean, we have the benefit of hindsight and scripture and documentation. I mean, even the creeds of the church speak about the Holy Spirit. But for them, this was very new. This was very new. And Jesus, in um, verse 14 here, he said, I will ask the Father, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and he will give you another Savior. Now, the word in the Greek is the Greek word parakletos, and um, it's a very robust word, and it means a lot of different things. But this is how it hit the ears of the hearer. Because that word parakletos is translated as, in, uh, in fact, if you look at the Amplified Version, it uses about seven different words for parakletos. It says he's the helper, he's the comforter, he's the advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, a standby. So basically, he's going to save you. Anything you need, he's going to help you with it. So the Passion translates it this way. He says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth. Who will be to you a friend just like me? And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately. Everyone say intimately. You will know him intimately because he will make his home in you. And he will live inside of you. Hallelujah. Of course, we know that the Lord Jesus was the only one that went to the cross and died for our sins. But it was introducing them to the fact that even though he was leaving, in fact, later on he said, it's in your best interest that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not just going to be with you like I am with you. He's actually going to live on the inside of you. And he said, he'll be a savior to you. You will know him intimately. In verse 26 of the same chapter, the Passion again, he says, But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. And he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. Hallelujah. He's going to help you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to live on the inside of you. You are going to get to know him intimately. Everything I am to you, he is going to be in you. Then he will teach you all things that you need to know. And everything I have spoken, he will inspire you to remember. Wow. Everything. He will inspire you to remember. If you look at John 16 verse 12. The passion again, it says, there is so much more I would like to say to you, 
but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. But when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. Wow. Now, the New King James says he will guide you into all truth. The Passion says he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't just teach us the word. He unveils the reality of the word to us. He makes it practical for us. Hallelujah. He's called the spirit of truth. That word truth, in the Greek, it doesn't convey the, merely the thought of accuracy. It conveys reality. It is truth that can be earth, that you can use practically, and it will change your life. He's a practical spirit. Hallelujah. A practical spirit. He said he wouldn't speak his own message, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. So the ministry of the prophetic is not for uh, a group of people that wear long robes. He said that this spirit, by being in you, he's going to reveal things to you prophetically. Because he is God. The creeds say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and who together with the Father and the Son is to be worshipped and glorified. So we are speaking about God dwelling on the inside of us. And therefore, being prophetic, being able to see things to come, is a basic operation of the divine. He will glorify me on earth, Jesus said. For he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything. Everyone say everything. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything that is the Father is mine, and he's going to reveal everything that the Father has that is mine. He's going to reveal it to you. Now, why is he revealing it to you? Is it just there to inform you about what Jesus has and what the Father has? No, he's revealing it to you because everything Jesus has, you have, because the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. So he's going to bring you into an intimate understanding of what is yours in Christ. And he's going to reveal it to you in a way that you can grasp it and will become a reality in your experience. He said, so don't be sad that I'm going away. Because somebody is coming. He will be a savior to you. He will be your divine encourager, your teacher. He will inspire you to remember. He will lead you into all reality. You know, we have been given a guide because we need one. The reason why Jesus went to the cross, rose from the dead, and promised to send the Holy Spirit to help us. In fact, he told them not to go anywhere until they got filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason why the Holy Spirit has been given to you and I as a guide is because we need guidance. We are not going to get to his destination for our lives any other way. We need guidance. You know, the Bible says that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. So we need more than common sense. We need his sense. And you can't have his sense without his guidance. So he has been given to us because we need him. Hallelujah. Amen. Calls him the divine encourager. You know, the Holy Spirit knows what we need to develop the virtues needed in us for where he's taking us. Hallelujah. You don't know what you need because you don't know where you're going. You may think you know where you're going, but like Jeremiah said, the way of man is not in himself. 
And as you keep walking with him, he keeps taking you to a place that he had already predetermined before time began that was his purpose for you. As you keep walking with him, he keeps taking you to his destination for you. But a lot of times, his destination for you is not where you thought you were going. So, when he's leading you through certain things, you are wondering why he's leading you here because this has nothing to do with me. But the problem is you don't know who you are. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. So, he has given you a guide. I mean, I could tell you so many stories of how, you know, Google Maps works if you know where you're going. I mean, I told you an incident that happened to me a few years ago. A guy was getting married, and he told me where his wedding was going to be, or his, um, I think it was like an engagement. And he told me that a friend of his will send me the address, and the friend sent me the address. And of course, like every 21st century tech-savvy individual, I put the address in Google. Because Google knows the way. And I was driving from Lekki One to some place on the mainland. Somewhere, Google said we're going somewhere around um, University of Lagos. That's Onike side. Uh-huh. And even Google, you know how sometimes you fall in Google and it recalibrates, you know. <laughs> anyway, we're driving and I'm driving from VI, or from Lekki One, and I'm going to... The mainland, and I put it in Google, and Google says, and of course you can choose whether you want a Nigerian voice or a British voice or an American voice. Oh, you don't know that, you can't know. So when I'm in Nigeria, I have a Nigerian voice. When I'm abroad, I have a foreign voice. Anyway, so I'm driving, and as I drive past law school, and I'm taking the bridge, it was like my heart was turning back to law school. I'm like, what? What's going on? My heart is... I'm driving and I pass law school and it's like, my heart is at law school. And I'm like, why am I, what is, we're going to Onike, Google knows the way, I've got the address. So I get to Onike about 45 minutes later and then, you know, I turn off the university road and it's going and I end up in front of a building that looks like a shack. (laughs) And I know this friend of mine, there's nothing wrong with a shack if you know, but I just felt it didn't compute. So I did a U-turn, and it was a road that was so narrow that doing a U-turn in my Mercedes was a problem. Went back, forth, back, forth, you know, five-point turn. And I headed back home. A few days later, the guy contacted me. What happened? We didn't see you. I said, well, the address was wrong. He said, ah, but we're just at law school. I was like, law school? But the address... And then we're having this conversation about, uh, you know, he sent me this address. This is the address. I put it in the map. You know, he said, no, that's the wrong address. You you see, you can only follow Google if you know where you're going. The reason why the Holy Spirit has been given as your guide is because the one that made you knows where he has destined for you to go. And he has given you himself... And himself lives on the inside of you and he's your guide. He's your guide. Like I said, he knows what you need to develop the virtues needed for where he's taking you to. Look real quick at Numbers 21 verse 4. You know, my plan was to talk about different ways the Holy Spirit leads. But as I was meditating on this this morning, the Spirit of God began to lead me in another direction And I feel that it will be of benefit to somebody here. In Numbers 21 verse 4, I'm going to read the Amplified Version. That is speaking about a part of the journey of the children of Israel. It said, then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the branch of the Red Sea called the Gulf of Agabah. To go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient Because of the challenges of the journey. So the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, nor is there any water. 
And we love this miserable food. Now understand what is happening here. They had been in bondage for 400 years. And the Lord delivered them from bondage with a mighty hand. And he said, I'm leading you somewhere. And every day for 40 years, they had a guide. God himself came, veiled in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he would lead them in the way they needed to go. And they were following the guidance of God. But God took them through a path that was challenging. Sometimes following God can take you to the Red Sea. I know the location of the Red Sea is not where you want to be when you are being chased by enemies. Because the enemies have your back. Not in a complimentary way. You've got mountains on either side and then you are confronted with the sea that you don't have a boat, you don't have... And you followed the Lord there. But thank God there is a way through the sea. Hallelujah. But they didn't know that when they were confronted with it. These guys were actually following the Lord. But it took them through a path that was difficult. Today I'm not going to talk about why the Lord takes us through difficult paths. We've talked about character, virtues, etc. But the Lord knows the way to the destination. And sometimes... The way is difficult, but if we will submit to him rather than murmur and complain, if we will press into him, we will experience him as the encourager. Hallelujah. As the encourager. If we do not murmur and complain, if we submit to him and trust in the goodness of God and the love of our father, in the midst of challenge, you will experience him as the encourager. Hallelujah. But you know, you and I need to yield to him and receive his encouragement. I'm going to talk about the encouragement of the Lord this morning. The encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that the Lord wants, as he's leading us, and as we are following his lead, he wants us to experience him as the encourager. One that fills us with strength. One of the ways he encourages us in the midst of pressure is he encourages us with his word. Hallelujah. You know, one of my favorite verses of scripture is Psalm 119 verses 49 and 50. It says, God, remember the word unto your servant upon which... You have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction for your word has quickened me or given me life. Amen. You see the word comfort is uh, the Latin is comfortis. Fortis in Latin is strength. So when we talk about him being a comforter, the Holy Spirit, he's an encourager, one that fills us with strength. Hallelujah. Now, David said, Lord, remember the word. And that word has caused me to hope. Now, David is in the midst of pressure and affliction. But he says, I have built my hope. Your word has given me hope. In my affliction, it has quickened me. It has made me alive in pressure. Hallelujah. He said, the Lord will lead you through terrain that can be difficult. But in the midst of difficulty, you can have joy. In the midst of difficulty, you can have strength. Hallelujah. As we engage with the Holy Spirit and recognize that, yes, I am following him and he led me here. He can fill me with strength through his word. Hallelujah. You see, what was happening in Numbers was they were rejecting the encouragement of the word. Because they had the word. In fact, Hebrews says that the reason why God rejected this generation was because they did not mix the word with faith. In other words, in the midst of this pressure, they should have been remembering what God had said to them. 
Hallelujah. And that word would have given them strength as they were walking and following the glory of God. There is strength in the word. There is strength in the word. You know, the Bible says that God has magnified his word above all his name. That's Psalm 138 verse 2. The New Levin translation of that says, I'll bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Hallelujah. The integrity of God, the integrity of everything he is, backs every word of promise he has given you in his word. Hallelujah. You know, speaking about the infallibility or the integrity of the word of God, if you look at Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to read from the Passion again, from verse 16. We're talking about receiving the encouragement of the Holy Spirit and yielding to the encouragement of the Holy Spirit because he's in you as a guide, but he's also in you as an encourager. He wants to encourage you. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 16, I'm going to read again from the Passion Translation. Yeah. It says, it is very common for people to swear an oath by something greater than themselves for the oath will confirm their statements and end all dispute. So in the same way, God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it even more forcefully to those who would inherit his promises. His purpose was unchangeable so God added his vow to the promise. So it is impossible for God to lie. For we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort. For he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. And where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. You know, every word of God is a word of covenant. And that covenant was established by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we call it the old covenant and the new covenant. There is blood that ratifies the covenant. When we break bread... And we remember the cup. And it says this is the blood of the covenant. Meaning everything I have said that is contained in this covenant is backed by my blood. It is irrevocable. And remember when Jesus rose from the dead and Mary saw him and wanted to hold on to him. She said, no, I need to go before the father. I have not ascended. And he was there. He was taking his blood to heaven to purify the heavenly holy of holies and that blood Hebrews said speaks on our behalf whenever you stand on the promise of God you are not just standing on earth this is not an earthly covenant every promise of the word of God is backed by heaven when you stand on earth in the name of Jesus with the word of God of promise what happens is you are presented before the heavenly holy of holies and that promise is confirmed as ratified by the blood of Jesus. So the whole of heaven, the whole of heaven must ensure that that promise is fulfilled in your life. 
Because every word of God is backed by his name. And that is why Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews says, we have run into the Father. This is where we receive our comfort. And it is an anchor of our soul. When our soul wants to move away because of circumstances, this anchors us. That No, no, no. Uh, the circumstance has changed and may be changing for the worse, but it doesn't change anything because the promise is backed by heaven itself. So this promise anchors our soul. When the pressure increases, it keeps us stable. Because this anchor is not on earth. This anchor is in the Holy of Holies in heaven. The heavenly mercy seat. You might think nobody is watching, but believe you me, the whole of heaven is interested in what is happening in the life of a person who is standing on the word. The whole of heaven. The whole of heaven. Because every promise is backed by the integrity of God himself. The encouragement of the word. The spirit of God encourages us with the word. When you're going through pressure, you'll come to a service like this. And you'll hear a word. That is the Holy Spirit. That is sending encouragement to you. And he's saying, grab it. Engage it. This is me, the Holy Ghost, working on the inside of you. You that don't watch Christian television, you just have to flip to a channel and you'll hear a minister speaking the word concerning that particular thing you are dealing with. That is the Holy Spirit in the midst of pressure throwing encouragement your way. And he's saying, receive the encouragement. Found your hope. Anchor yourself around that word. Hallelujah. Let it keep you stable in the midst of pressure. Because God is leading you somewhere. He's leading you somewhere. Psalm 19 verse 7. I'll read the passion again. It says God's word is perfect in every way. How it revives our souls. His laws lead us to truth. His ways change the simple into wise. His teachings make us joyful and radiate his light. His precepts are so pure. His commands, how they challenge us to keep close to his heart. The revelation light of his word makes my spirit shine radiant. Every one of the Lord's commands is right. Following them brings cheer. Nothing he says ever needs to be changed. The rarest treasures of life are found in his truth. That's why I prize God's word like others prize the finest gold. Nothing brings the soul such sweetness as seeking his living words. Hallelujah. Nothing. Now, you know, if I say nothing, you can, you know, say, well, what has he experienced? We're talking about David, king of Israel, a mighty warrior. A wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man. He says nothing. Nothing brings the soul such sweetness as seeking his living words. So the Holy Spirit will encourage you with his word. Let us engage this because he would lead you through. You know, even when Jesus was led into the wilderness. You know, the Bible says that he was there for 40 days, right? And the angels came to strengthen him. He was encouraged in the wilderness. You can receive encouragement in the wilderness. Hallelujah. But there are other things the Holy Spirit does. Look at um, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. I'll read the passion again. It says, and don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. You know, sometimes we're going through pressure. We want to dull our senses with wine. It says, don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture. Singing the Psalms with praises and spontaneous songs given by the Holy Spirit. Spontaneous songs given by the Holy Spirit. You know, 
when we're experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and by that I'll just say that if in the midst of pressure, you are still pressing into God and pressing into the Holy Spirit as your encourager, there is something that will overflow from your heart. He says that there will be psalms, hymns, and spontaneous songs of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever woken up from sleep and you woke up with a song? That song didn't come from your brain. That song came from the Holy Spirit. And what you are meant to do is to engage that song. If you get up and you want to go and have your quiet time or Bible study, don't start doing your normal curriculum. Just start singing that song. That song is a gateway. It's a door. It's going to lead you somewhere. Are you with me? Because in times of pressure, you know what we call the Psalms of David? Came out of pressure. Came out of times of war. Times of frustration. When he was running away from Saul. When he was, you know, abandoned by his, he was going to be stoned by his fellow soldiers. Instead of running away from God, he ran into God and ran to God with his pressure. And he received the encouragement of God. In fact, in that particular incident, when his souls were going to stone him, the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? You press into God as your savior, as your helper. And in the midst of that, one of the things the Holy Spirit will do is he'll give you a song. You know what I mean? say, ah, is it song time now? I mean, we're talking about serious matter. What is this song I'm thinking about? No, you are meant to receive that. Hallelujah. Receive. Don't be like the people in numbers that were saying, well, you know, they were complaining. They were, you know, rebellious. Why is it so difficult? Why, you know, why hasn't it finished by now? Why, how come we're not at the promised land yet? You have a guide. He knows what you need. And he's leading you. And yours is to follow. But in the middle of that, when things get pressurized, go before him. Press into his goodness, knowing he's there to help you. And part of what he does is he will give you a song. A song of joy coming from your inner man. Engage with that. Engage. Just be singing it over and over. And over and over. And as you continue doing that, something will open in the spirit to you. He'll give you a song. He says we are full of the Holy Spirit and overflow will happen. Of songs. Of psalms. And he says, be speaking to one another. Those scriptures and those spontaneous songs. When we get together, is not the time to complain about our predicament. It really isn't the time. Is it, that's what we should be speaking to each other with. Wow, I got the song. This is what the Lord is saying about this time. Hallelujah. It is not the end, it is the beginning. It is not the end of the road. Receive that. Sing that over and over again. Another thing the Holy Spirit will do is seen in Job 33 verse 14. Look at Job 33 verse 14 to 17. Oh, Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm going to send another helper. He's the encourager. He's coming on the inside of you. I'm reading the New Living Translation, Job 33 verse 14. It says, for God speaks again and again, though people don't recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from doing wrong. He keeps them from pride. We know Joel chapter 2 verse 28. He said, it shall come to pass afterwards I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You see, from these verses, we know that God gives us dreams and visions. From Job 33, we know that sometimes he seals, you go to bed, you have a dream, you wake up, you can't remember. Sometimes the Lord actually seals the instruction in your heart. And that particular dream is not necessarily for you to remember. I know that sometimes we forget dreams and you can't remember them. But there are some dreams, some instructions that he seals in your heart. So that when they happen in future, that recollection will come. And it will almost be like a confirmation after the fact. And sometimes 
It is just an encouragement in your inner man. He brings something on the inside when you're asleep. Sometimes he gives us dreams, vivid dreams, and of course there's, a, there's an interpretation that encourages us. Dreams and visions are very important. Amen. And from Joel chapter 2, we see that dreams and visions are for the end time church. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. So being open by the Lord through dreams and visions is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I've received great encouragement from dreams. Hallelujah. And there was a time that I was not a dreamer. In fact, there was a time when the Lord instructed me uh, a few years ago to start teaching on dreams and visions or dreams in high life. And you know, when the Lord, well, you're allowed to ask questions, but I thought he had made a mistake. But you know how when you're responding, you sort of phrase it in a respectable way so that you don't become a burnt crisp on the side of the road. So, I mean, it kept coming up in my heart that the Lord wanted me to teach on dreams. And I was like, Lord, but I don't dream. Why am I, why? I don't have no, I dream nothing. But you know, just because you're not experiencing something does not mean it's not part of the Holy Spirit's plan for your life. It is part of God's plan for all of our lives to have dreams and visions. Because Joel 2 says, your sons and your daughters. Is there no son or daughter here? You just dropped from heaven. You don't have any father and mother. You just dropped. Sons and daughters. You're either a son or daughter, right? Young men or old men. A lot of us young men are still around. Yeah? So as I began to receive this as God's plan, what he wants, because I've always been a word person. Word of faith. From, if I give you my history, word person. Is in the word? How many verses do you have? Etc. But you know, the word and the spirit are one. In fact, you cannot understand the word without the Holy Spirit. The word and the spirit, the one that inspired the, word, the scriptures is the Holy Ghost himself. Hallelujah. And that Holy Spirit will give you revelations that will confirm the word. So as I began to embrace this, so some of this has to do with your own heart and your willingness to embrace the ministry of the spirit that's inside you. Stop rejecting the word. Like, oh, I am looking for real uh, solutions. Yeah, give me scripture. That scripture is what is going to encourage your heart in pressure. Stop pushing away that song that keeps coming out of your inner man. That no, 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 we're dealing with serious business here. The only business that you should get involved in at that time is that song. Hallelujah. Start embracing dreams and visions. I remember a time in 2016. I mean, I've had so many dreams. And honestly... I love it. Hallelujah. But there was a time when I needed encouragement. In fact, we just left the landmark then. Or should I say we're just pushed out of the landmark <laughs> then. 2016. And, um, and we moved back to a hotel that we had left before. Now in a city like Lagos where your progress in ministry is tracked by how much bigger the new place is. You don't want to move from the landmark back to the place you had left before. And I felt that it was a decision that needed to be made because of the priorities of the ministry at the time. But it was hard. It was difficult. But in June, I always go to the States. There's a prophetic meeting I attend, Morningstar. I went in June of that year. And I was really in a low place. And you know, we're just in a meeting, about 400 people, about 400 people there. And this guy got on stage, prophet of God, Sean Bolts. And he was giving prophetic words. And he said, is there a Carlton here whose church is in a hotel at the moment? You know, my head <laughs> popped up because I am Carlton and my church was in a hotel. You know, that guy gave me a word, and I have never been more encouraged by that word. A prophetic word will encourage your life. That was what I needed at that time. And God needed to show, and he knew that through the operation of his spirit, 
He would bring encouragement in a way that, you know what? I came back and I was like, I was like this. Chest out. That's what I'm trying to show you. <laughs> Dreams, visions, prophetic revelations are part of the toolkit of the Holy Spirit to encourage your life, to encourage you as he's guiding you into the wilderness <laughs> or through the wilderness. They're part of the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Let us open ourselves up to spiritual dreams, visions. And I also want to encourage people also, as, we are, as we're opening ourselves up to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, open yourself up to being used by the Holy Spirit to minister to people. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have no idea how encouraging that word you give somebody is. You don't have to say, thus yet the Lord. You just say, I just sense this in my spirit. Give them a word of encouragement. Give them a word you'd like to receive. Start from there. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit, how can I encourage somebody today? I, mean, I remember something that happened to me. And you know, I remember, this was a few years ago, after, I think it was before Apostle Tommy came, during one of his meetings, we were over at um, Pistis, what's it, Pistis Center, for a meeting. And he asked all the ministers to come forward, and he was going to minister with them. And you know how it is, he put you on stage, and everyone's giving words of knowledge and all that. And you know, whenever I, it's just like if someone tells me that I should, can I tell you a secret? If someone calls me out in a big meeting and says, well, come and pray, I usually pray the simplest prayer. Because you know how it is, there's always pressure to come up with some. <laughs> so I've trained myself to just, you want me to come pray? I'll say, dear Jesus, <laughs> thank you for being here. Amen. You understand? Because I don't, you know, I try to train myself not to, uh, you know. So I got on stage and I thought, okay. Like, Lord, okay, if there's anything you want to say, but I, I'm happy just to be here. You know, I, no pressure, no performance. But as I was standing there, I had a word of knowledge that, I had a very incredible word of knowledge by my standards. <laughs> I, I was just there, you know, just talking to the Lord. And I just saw these two girls and I saw one of them had an ankle problem and she came with her sister. So I, I just got up and said, oh, there's, there are two ladies here, and one of you, you are siblings, and one of you has an ankle problem, and your sister is very concerned about you. And, you know, if you're here, just come forward. And I thought, fine, I've done it, you know, whatever. And these two ladies came forward. And I could see how encouraged these ladies were by that word. The lady got healed, um, and... Apostle Tommy actually was able to actually minister to her, and she was in a place where she really needed ministry. You'll be amazed at how encouraging you can be to somebody else through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. Hallelujah. He dwells in you. He wants to minister to you, and he wants to minister through you. Through you. We need to open ourselves to that. It's not one-dimensional. He's in us. He will encourage you with the word. He will encourage you with dreams and visions. He will give you a song. That's his ministry in you. Hallelujah. So when you have dreams, rehearse the dreams. You know, whenever I have dreams, I have a dream journal. I have a dream journal that goes back years. When I began to dream, one of the first things I did was have a journal. So when I go to bed, I always have my iPad next to my bed. Because we walk by faith. So if you expect God to give you dreams, then you need, to pre you need to show him you are expecting dreams by having the means of recording the dreams. You heard the story about the people that were praying for rain? And the old woman came to the prayer meeting with an umbrella. And everyone said to her, why are you here with an umbrella given that we are praying for rain? We haven't had rain in a long time. And she said, but I thought we were praying for rain. <laughs> yeah? Let your actions demonstrate your expectation. I don't go to bed without telling the Holy Spirit, I'm expecting you to minister to me. I open my heart to you. I hand my spirit over to you. Yeah? And when he gives you dreams, rehearse them. Rehearse them. Remind yourself of them. Rehearse them over and over again. That prophetic word from Sean Bowles, I every few months I go and watch it again. I need the encouragement. 
You need the encouragement. Rehearse those things. The dreams he has given you, the prophetic words you've written, you've received, write them down and remind yourself of those things. Hallelujah. And lastly, look at Matthew 14, verse 13. There's also something else I've seen the Holy Spirit do. Matthew 14, verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard it, what he heard was about John the Baptist's beheading. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy food. Look at another passage. Look at Luke chapter 5 verse 15. Luke chapter 5 verse 15. It says, however, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and there prayed. You know, when your ministry or your career is blowing up, when there's momentum, you know, you want to you wanna keep going, you want to keep expanding, you want to keep doing stuff, you, wanna, you, know, you don't want to lose momentum. But you see, the Holy Spirit always orchestrates time for rest. In the middle of all the multitudes, Jesus often himself withdrew to a solitary place. And he spent a lot of time in prayer on his own. He had personal prayer retreats. It didn't matter how big the crowds were. He would follow the leading of the Holy Spirit who at different times would ask him to withdraw, to spend time with him. Times of personal retreat are very important. And it is important that you recognize that whatever it is you're doing, it is preserved. You know, the Bible says that the worlds are held in place by the word of God. It is preserved by the word of God. Amen. It's not your preservation that's going to keep it going. It's preserved by the word. Don't feel that it is you that is keeping it together. So listen to the Holy Spirit when he asks you to withdraw. Times of personal retreat, of prayer are very important. Times of rest are very important. Times of rest are very important. And you need to listen to the Holy Spirit when he's telling you, I want you to rest. Look at what happened with Elijah in 1 Kings 19 verse 4. Let's look at that real quick and then we'll close. 1 Kings 19 verse 4. You know, his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. So sometimes when he's asking you to do something, it just doesn't feel like the right time. <laughs> but you need to obey him. Because he loves you. Now we know the story. I mean, Elijah had done this, all this wonderful stuff. I know Elijah knew or believed that he was called to bring a reformation in Israel. And in fact, he thought he was the only one that could get it done. And we know the whole story. And um, after the victory at Carmel, when he called fire out from heaven, he had killed the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove. He had outrun Ahab's chariot. He really thought that, you know, things were going to change. And they didn't. They didn't. And it looked like his ministry was a failure. And if you look at 1 Kings 19, let's start from verse 1. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel um, all that Elijah had done, and also how he had executed all the prophets, etc. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more so, if I do not take your life and the life of one of them uh, by tomorrow at this time. And when he saw that, he rose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Now, when you read a, a chronological Bible, you'll see that this whole situation with Carmel and the threat of Ahab happened over a period of years. It wasn't just that, you know, tonight he killed the prophets and then tomorrow he's running away. 
Yeah, if you check it out, you'll see that it was actually over a, a long period of time. And um, so Elijah had had the time to observe the impact of what he had done at Carmel. And he saw that nothing had really changed in Israel after all the work he had done. So he got to a point where he felt, you know what, what is the point? My ministry is futile. I want to die. Verse 5 says, then he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Now, when an angel wakes you up and tells you, you know what, you need to eat. You know, normally if an angel comes, you expect that we are moving forward. I have my next, the next plan for my life. We are getting up, packing up. We are going from Bethlehem to Egypt, right? But the angel woke him up to eat. He says, arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights, past Horeb, the mountain of God. And then we know he had the spiritual encounter with God. But you see, there's a physical aspect of rest. And a spiritual aspect. You see, they're linked. He needed the strength for the journey. You know, the Spirit of God will lead you. And it's important that we recognize that your time of rest is as important as your time of activity. Because the Bible says that in returning and in rest will you be saved. In quietness and confidence will be your strength. The Spirit of God, part of His work in your life, is also to indicate in you the need to draw back. Don't feel that you are holding everything together. You know, one of the things I learned in ministry many years ago is the fact that if you kill yourself doing ministry, after you die, others will continue what you've killed yourself doing. It's in, and the same goes for a business. Yeah? It's important you have times to rest. That is part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. So we're talking about the encouragement of the Holy Ghost today. He's leading you in the place that you need to go. Part of the journey may be tough, but recognize that he is our encourager. He will give you the word, engage him through the word, and receive hope and encouragement from the word. Yield to him his promptings as he gives you songs in the night. Expect him to encourage you through songs. Sing those songs and minister those songs to one another. Open yourselves up to dreams and visions and prophetic ministry. And it is important that you Yield to him as he encourages you to rest.